0: Welcome to Easter at New Life. I know we've already clapped a bunch this morning, but man, it's good to be in church. Listen, we are thrilled that you are here, especially if you are a guest. And here's what I want you to do. If you're a guest here today, or you've come back because it is Easter and you wanted to come to church on Easter, praise God for that. But listen, we do this every single week sorry. That was, me. <laughs> I had to get one in there. Okay. Listen, listen, here's what we want you to do. We want you to give us three weeks. We want you to give us three weeks. You can't really decide on a church or a church family. It's about three weeks is what it takes to kind of check things out. Give us three weeks. Next weekend, we are beginning a new series called the dreamer and you don't want to miss that. So give us three good weeks. But today, is Easter and our talk is called Awaken. Awaken. Now I believe every single one of us every man, woman, boy and girl that is on this campus today can be awakened to the promises of God to the things of God this morning. Does anybody believe that? It doesn't, it doesn't matter how old you are. <laughs> it doesn't matter how young you are. Doesn't matter whether you've been in church for 50 years or if this may be the first time you've been in church in a long it does not matter. Some of us need to be awakened to our need for a savior, to our need to be forgiven of our sins, that we need to have a personal relationship with Jesus. See Christianity is not a religion religion kills. It's been killing for thousands of years. Christianity is a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you've been disappointed in Christianity before, it's because you were making it about a religion. You were making it about a list of do's and don'ts. That is not true Christianity. True Christianity is a relationship with Jesus Christ that will change your life and change your world and change everybody around you. That's what Christianity is. Some of us have received Christ already, but somewhere along the line, something derailed us. Something, some kind of obstacle, a failure, a disappointment. Disappointment. Perhaps a disappointment in a church or a pastor or somebody at a church. Folks, this is not a perfect church. There isn't one. And if there was one, as soon as you went there, there, it wouldn't be perfect anymore. (laughs) How many know it's true? There's, There's no perfect church. People will disappoint you. I will disappoint you. But see, we're a family of God and we need each other. And you need to be awakened. It's time. Somebody say it's time. It's time for you. If you've been away from church, it's time that you understand and receive the healing and restoration of Jesus Christ. I feel that today. I feel that today. Some of us have received Christ, but it's time that we are awakened to his purpose. You've been living, just living along and it's time that you're awakened to his purpose in your life. Every one of us have a purpose and a calling. It's all laid out, but we have to walk it. We have to be obedient to that purpose. We're all about connecting people to their God-given purpose here at New Life. Now, some of us have been saved a long time. Say it with me. A long time. But... It's just not like it used to be. The fire's not burning like it was. Your relationship with the Lord has grown a little bit cold. You used to be involved in everything. You used to use your gifts and your talents for the Lord, and you just haven't done that. You need to be awakened to a freshness of the gospel of Jesus Christ this morning. And then some of you are on fire for the Lord, and I praise God for that. You're closer to God than you've ever been. Praise the Lord. But how many know there is always more? When it comes to Jesus, there's always more. So you can be awakened. Even that group of people who are on fire, you can be awakened to something bigger and better in him today. I think that covers just about all of us, don't you? Every single one of us can be awakened and challenged this morning. And speaking of challenge. In the year, I don't know, 2007, 2008, my family, we were ministering at a church in East Tennessee, Maryville, Tennessee, a church that we had been at for seven years. It was home. You might know what I'm talking about. Not only was it home church, it was home. Our family was all around us within 45 minutes. Our son is still there with his family. It was home. The girls, we weren't just a part of a church. We were a part of a community. It was home I was on staff at that church. Uh, those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Alan Malloy. I'm the pastor here, by the way. <laughs> Little small detail, it really doesn't matter. But I was 22, I've been 22 years in full time ministry, and 20 of those have been as a music guy, a worship pastor. And so I was a worship pastor at this church. Things were going so well. And how many remember what happened in those two years? The bottom fell out of the economy. Good people lost their homes. People who had never missed a house payment lost their houses, had to declare bankruptcy. All these kind of things when the Great Recession occurred. Well, obviously, if there's not as much money coming into homes, there's not as much going into the church, which is where I worked. And so, over a course of time, we experienced a thirty percent pay cut. Now, there was the first one was twenty percent. We survived that one for a few months, and then the next one came. 30% and I couldn't pay my bills. And so we had to, I had to resign my position. Now God provided another position for me that the point is we never thought that this would happen. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We never thought we would be experiencing this struggle. We never thought we would be leaving our home, our family. We never envisioned ourselves anywhere else. But there, we had to start over. My girls were in elementary school or younger at that time, had to completely start over. We were disappointed. We were disillusioned. We were, I was embarrassed about my finances. Anybody go through that period? And I was just I, good people folks that always pay on time, always work hard, we're lo- my, We had just built a house and moved in when all this happened. My house was worth this much one day, and a few days later, $100,000 less, and we had to short sell our home, which messed the credit up. All those. Am I, am I being too honest this morning? Come on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> pastor, Pastor. Why are you sharing this depressing story on Easter? We're supposed to be uplifted today. It's Easter, because this is real life. And I know there's people in this large crowd who are dealing with real life. You didn't come. You may have come for a nice little neat sermon with a bow on top, but I, I don't give those kinds of sermons never have and I never will. If I start doing that, somebody grab me off of this stage and say, you're done. That's not the kind of sermon I'm going to give. I'm going to get a real sermon today because you deal with real struggle. So how can our spirit become awakened to the promises and the great, wonderful things of God when life has body slammed us? and left us disappointed, disillusioned, broken, hurting. Well, that's exactly what our message is about today. How to become awakened to the things of God and the promises of God and stand on his word and receive from him even when those kinds of disappointments have happened and we are broken. That's what our text is all about. Would you bow your heads? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray your Holy Spirit would sweep through this place and would lift our hearts and our spirits to your heart, that you would awaken in us things that have been long dead. That if we don't, there's people I know, folks here, that that are searching for truth. I pray you would reveal yourself to them, those who have been saved that, that need to come back and need to be restored and awakened to your purposes and your promises. Lord, do that right now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let me set the scene for Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Jesus has been on trial. He's been beaten beyond recognition with the cat of nine tails, the the lead-tipped whip that they used to strip the skin off of his back. He's been crucified. And then Joseph of Arimathea has asked for his body, and he's been in the tomb. Friday, Friday night, all day Saturday. And while this is going on, the disciples, all of his followers, are shut up in a room somewhere, scared to death. They have just watched their leader, their teacher, their master, their friend be tortured to death. And put in a tomb. And then early on Sunday morning, some of the women, Mary, probably the mother of Jesus, and Mary Magdalene, and probably another woman, go to the tomb. And of course, you know the story. They find the, the, the stone rolled away. They go in, they, there's no body. They see an angel. The angel says, You're looking for the living among the dead, he is risen. They run back and tell the disciples, Peter and John, run and find things as they had said, that there's no body, but they didn't see an angel. And so that's where we start in our story, right here. Luke chapter 24, verse 13. You can follow along on the screen. Now that same day, you have to get this, this is Easter day. The same day, two of them, and he's talking about two followers of Jesus who were not among the 11 disciples, Two other followers, we we know very little about them. They were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. Now look at me. They knew about the women going that morning and finding the tomb. They knew about Peter and John running and seeing and finding nobody. So they knew what was happening. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along, what does it say? with them but they were kept from recognizing them. verse 17 listen to this he asked them Jesus asked them what are you discussing together as you walk along listen to this next line they stood still their faces downcast will you read that line with me they stood still their faces down you have to get the picture here You have to get the picture here of what's happening. They were walking along and they stood still when Jesus asked, what are you talking about? And everything about them was pointed down. Their heads were down. Their hearts were down. Their minds were down. Their focus was down. Their faith was down. Everything was down and they stopped. Listen, but they never looked up to see who it was walking with them. Now the implication here is that God kept them supernaturally from recognizing, and I think that's true, but I don't think he had to work very hard at it. I think these guys were taking care of that on their own. Everything was down. They weren't even paying attention really to this man at this point. Now, here's, here's what I was, as I was studying, I'm thinking, why in the world, Jesus, would you not just tell them? I mean, come on, it's almost kind of cruel, isn't it? Think of, th- come on, come on, come on, this isn't a fairy tale, think about it. These men were obviously hurting, distressed, broken, disillusioned, depressed. I mean, they were, I mean, why wouldn't he just say, hey, 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 look at me, it's me, it's Jesus, I'm alive, high five, come on, let's go do something for me, come on. Why wouldn't he tell them? I have a theory as I begin to look at this. If they had recognized Jesus right away, they would have been so excited, they wouldn't have heard anything that he had to say. They wouldn't have heard, come on, it's like Christmas morning. Did you care one bit about what your parents were saying to you as you were opening those presents? No. This is from grandma. This is from... Give me the presents. It, when I was in Pakistan, and many of you don't know, I was in Pakistan two weeks ago on a mission, and it was like this. I had to work very hard. The people were so excited That I was there, that somebody was willing to come to them. they, They were just celebrating the whole time. I had to work very hard to calm them down so that I could teach. So that I could deposit a word into them. It was very difficult. If they had known this was Jesus, they would never have heard. He had something to give them. He had something to deposit in them. He had something to teach them before they realized it was him. Look on the screen. Sometimes we can't hear God's voice as clearly on the mountain as we can in the valley. Come on, we know it's true. Come on, we're on the mountain. Everything's going our way. I know it doesn't happen often, but sometimes <laughs> when everything's going our way and we think we've got it all together, we kind of get this attitude, God, I'll talk to you when I need you. Yeah. We, you know, i hold that word just for a second and until I need you. Now, we don't say that out loud. That would be really weird and, and bad. But that's how we act. Sometimes, it's only in our moments of weakness, in our moments of brokenness and pain and suffering, that we can truly hear God most clearly. Because we're more sensitive to him. in those. Just read the Psalms. I mean, just read the laments of David and how he worked through things in pain and God spoke to him and he was worshiping even though all hell was breaking loose in his life. I hate that about my human nature. Anybody else? Because I would rather be on the mountain than in the valley. Let's just be honest. But I have always in my spiritual walk grown more and heard God more clearly in those valley moments. And I have a feeling there's some folks here that today that are in a valley season. Look at, Everybody look at me. You are here on Easter Sunday morning. You are not here by accident. You hear, you understand, you, no, I, I came because somebody asked me or I, I came because it's Easter. No, you are not here by accident. God has his hand on you. And this morning, God is going to awaken some things in you that have been dead and dry and gone. You didn't even remember they were there. God is going to do a work in your life. Will you receive that right now? Give him praise if you receive that. God is going to awaken some things. And you're going to be overcomers, not victims. I want you to get this. These men were walking away from Jerusalem. In essence, they were walking away from Jesus. They were trying to get away from their confusion and their pain. But Jesus was pursuing them. Come on now. It's Easter morning. Jesus has just risen from the dead. And he takes the time to pursue these two no-name disciples. He's pursuing them. And he wants to pursue, he is pursuing you today because he loves you. That's only natural that we would try to get away like these guys, we would try to get away from our problems. We may even try to drown them out with more work or with more play or possibly alcohol, drugs, or some substance. Anything to get our minds off the pain, amen? But Jesus will always challenge that. Jesus will always ask questions. He loved to ask questions. Have you ever read the New Testament? I mean, they would always ask him something and he would just just turn it around and ask another. He will always ask you what's wrong. What's happening? what What is causing you to lose focus? What is the problem? Jesus won't let us hide from our issues and our problems and our pain. But it's okay. It's okay. Because we don't have to go through it alone. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you enter into a relationship like I was talking about before with him, we, all of a sudden, we have a friend. Who will stick closer than any brother. He will never leave us or forsake us. He will walk through every valley, every problem, every issue. It doesn't matter what it is. We will never again in our life have to be alone, even in the darkest midnight crisis hour. Jesus is with us. He pursues us, even when we try to walk the other direction. Let's continue. Verse eighteen. One of them named Cleopas. That's the only name we get. Cleopas. God love him. What a name! Cleopas sounds like a horse. Cleopas. I don't know. That was weird. Don't know where that came from. I ho, Cleopas. No. Are you sorry? That's totally. We'll use the next sermon for the podcast. No. Are you the only one? Listen, they, Cleopas asked, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened? He's like, Dude, have you been living under a rock? How could you not know what's going on? And Jesus plays along. He's like, What things? About Jesus of Nazareth? He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priest and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. Now get this, but we had hoped, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. We had hoped he was the Messiah. We had hoped he was going to rescue us from Rome. And what is more, it's the third day since this took place. Now, folks, you've got to understand what's happening with these two men. They had staked their lives on his life. And then they watched his life taken, or what they thought was taken. Jesus gave his life. Nobody took it. But they watched his life ebb away. Their hopes and dreams died with Jesus. Can you feel that? Verse 22, in addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. Remember folks, this is resurrection day. This is Easter day. The tomb is empty. They've been told by the women and by the disciples that Jesus is alive, but why are they walking away from Jerusalem if Jesus is alive why are they walking away from him because they did not believe they did not believe he was alive they were walking along this Emmaus road trying to put together some reasonable human explanation about what had happened Look at the screen. It is impossible to use natural reasoning to explain a supernatural event. It is impossible to use human natural reasoning to explain a supernatural event. People have been trying to do it for 2,000 years. They've been, they've been talking about it and arguing it and debating about it and trying to reason about it for 2,000 years, and it only leads to a crisis of faith, it leads to confusion, and it leads to stupid programs on the Discovery Channel about Jesus. <laughs> Come on. The last one I saw, the last one I saw, the big thing was that he survived the crucifixion. And they put him in the grave alive, and he was, a, he was asleep. He'd passed out And then on the third day, he kind of came to himself and was able to physically remove that giant boulder out of the way and came stumbling out. And then somehow after being beat beyond recognition, after having nails thrust through his wrists and his feet and having a spear thrust in his side and then put in this tomb, he was somehow able to do all of that, come out and walk seven miles to Emmaus. Come on. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Hear me. Listen hear me today, hear me today. True Christianity demands faith in a real event called the resurrection. I said a real event called the resurrection. Jesus was a documented historical figure who really was crucified, who really did die, who really was buried, and whom God really did raise from the dead on the third day. And we have 500 witnesses that are accounted for in the word of God that God protected this account for us today Jesus is alive somebody give God praise if you believe Jesus is alive verse 25 says he said to them Jesus said to them how foolish you are it's like all of a sudden this stranger became like what He got serious. How foolish you are. How slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And so beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning. Can you imagine? Listen, listen. Can you imagine the living word of God? John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You've got the living Word of God teaching the written word of God. I'm such a nerd, Russ. I'd love to have been there. Can you imagine? I'm gonna, one day, one day, I'm like, Jesus, just pretend we're on the road to Emmaus, okay? I want you to do that, that little thing you did. That was awesome. So what was he telling them? What was he teaching them? Can I give you a two minute theology lesson? It will not hurt, I promise. It will not hurt you. Listen, he was teaching them something. There are two lines of prophecy in the Old Testament. Two tracks of prophecy in the Old Testament. The suffering servant and the reigning king. The suffering servant and the reigning king. And so he was telling them and revealing to them the suffering servant. It was all there. That's why he said so bluntly, how foolish are you? It's all written. It's all there. You just weren't seeing it. The suffering servant, the Messiah, it's the same person. The suffering servant had to come first to redeem people from their sin. They had to, he had to come to reconcile people back to God through the, the, the shedding of blood. There is no remission of sin without the shedding of blood of blood if god had come, if jesus had come the first time as the reigning king which he is yet to do come on somebody he's coming again as the reigning king he's not coming again as a suffering servant he's coming back as the reigning king of glory but if he had come the first time as the reigning king we would all be dead in our sin see the disciples and all of jesus's followers were looking for a political figure they were looking for political freedom they were looking for the reigning king they were looking for a moses type figure to rescue them to be their hero they were expecting to to play out some part in a in in an exodus type story they wanted to see the messiah crush rome like god had crushed pharaoh and the egyptians men all the men look at me we get we get blamed for selective what all the ladies said it. That was a little fast, ladies. A little quick. We get, we get blamed for selective hearing, but these folks had selective reading. It was right there, but they, they did not want to see it because they didn't, they didn't want to receive the suffering servant. Look at the screen. The people were looking for a Messiah who would set them free from suffering, but Jesus would set them free by suffering suffering Paul says it in Colossians 1:21 This includes you who were once far away from God how many qualify we were once far away from God You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. He's talking about being separated because of sin. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself. How, Paul? Through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. I hope somebody would help me praise today that he came as the suffering servant. First, to die for my sins in my place let's continue with our story i'm wrapping up verse 28 of luke 24 as they approached the village to which they were going jesus continued on as if he were going farther but they urged him strongly stay with us for it is nearly evening the day is almost over so he went in to stay with them now listen to this when he was at the table with them he took bread gave thanks and broke it does that sound familiar to anybody you know what's happening And and, and began to give it to them. Verse 31, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. They were awakened to his presence and he disappeared from their sight. Listen, when he broke that bread, these guys right here had not been at the last supper, but they knew about it. And they knew what had happened. And as soon as he broke that bread, their eyes were opened. And they realized this was Jesus raised from the dead. And they, they realized this was the Messiah, the bread of life. He often referred to himself as the bread of life. Had to be broken and suffer and die because of sin. Verse 32, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us? while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures
1: and they got up
0: and returned at once at everybody say at once at once to Jerusalem listen to me i'm closing when we are awakened to the truth when we are awakened to the gospel of Jesus Christ it doesn't matter our circumstances it doesn't matter what we're facing it doesn't matter what pain you know health issue obstacle that we're facing when we are awakened to the presence of jesus we will run to him we will find him for these two disciples they had to run all the way back to jerusalem but for us he is but a prayer away so what do we do how do we become awakened pastor how do we become awakened regardless of what condition we're in? How many would say, no matter what condition you're in, I want to be awakened to the presence of the Lord in my life. Come on. I want to be awakened to the things of God in my life. Number one, number one, receive the word of God, receive the word of God. Jesus revealed to them the plan of salvation from Moses to, to the crucifixion and it wasn't until they were at the table and received it that their eyes were open. Receive the word today. I've done my best to present it to you and to preach it to you. I'm far lacking, but I want, I'm hoping the praying the Holy Spirit has revealed that to you, but you have to receive it. Did you know that the person sitting next to you could receive and you not being in the same room? You have to choose. Choose. receive it. Number two, respond to the Holy Spirit. Respond. They said, these disciples said, didn't his words burn within us as we were going? Some of you are feeling something. Look at me. Some of you are feeling something on the inside right now, something stirring. Don't push that away. Don't resist that. You might be 10 years old. You might be 25, 50 or 100. It doesn't matter. You may be feeling and sensing something happening inside of you. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. Do not resist it, but respond. And then number three, realize our need for a Savior. Paul says in Romans 3.23, for everyone has sinned. Say that with me. Everyone has sinned. Say it again. And everyone has We all fall short. Of God's glorious, what is God's glorious standard? Holiness, perfection. That's tough because none of us are, (laughs) right? Every man, woman, boy, and girl that has ever lived, except Jesus, has had one problem in common. Doesn't matter what culture, what time period, how much money you have, how good of a person or how bad of a person. We have a sin problem. We all have fallen short. We all have a sin problem. And the problem is the sin separates us from a holy God. In Romans six twenty three, Paul says, for the wages of sin, what we get from that sin is what? Death. But the good news of the gospel is right here. But the free gift, say free gift. Free. Say it again like you mean it. The free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can stand in front of a holy God without Jesus. He's the only way. He's the only way. You cannot be good enough. You can't come to church enough. You can't give enough in the offering. What we deserve, folks, is judgment and death. But what God is offering through Jesus Christ is eternal life. Would you bow your head?